sermon podcast of Paoli Presbyterian Church. The following sermon is by Pastor Jonathan Mexel. It is good as we gather together to worship today. I did want to make one quick uh, reminder or announcement to you. If you did not hear or see the email uh, this week, we were supposed to have, and we've been talking about um, the Tasker Street um, the pastor from Pastor Lovett from Tasker Street uh, Missionary Baptist Church in Philadelphia, who was scheduled to preach for us this morning and to be with us today. Um, unfortunately, Tasker Street had an outbreak of COVID in their congregation. Uh, about a week or so ago, including Pastor Lovett. Uh, and so they needed to postpone this, that time of um, the pastoral exchange. And so uh, we're working, we'll be working to reschedule that for some time in 2023. Um, expect that to happen in the first couple of months of next year. But I want to encourage you to keep that the congregation, and particularly Pastor Lovett, um, in your prayers today uh, as they're going through some challenging times. Uh, but just wanted you, particularly if you didn't see that email this week, you might be wondering, um, what happened and why I'm standing up here preaching instead of Pastor Lovett this morning. So I uh, just wanted to make that clear to all of you. Do you ever catch yourself daydreaming or thinking about the future? Um, maybe this time of year especially. Um, I know when I was younger anyway, when I, was a, when I was a kid, maybe in elementary school or something like that, this time of year there was one thing that was at the front of my mind, at least. I'm sure there's, it's at the forefront of a lot of your kids' minds these days, maybe. And that's a special day that's coming in a couple of weeks when hopefully when you wake up that morning, on Christmas morning, there are going to be some, at least a present or two under the tree. And if, if, it, if you were like me when I was a, a child in elementary school, um, you know, you just, there was not much more you looked forward to than Christmas morning. It was something that you anticipated, that you looked forward to, that you couldn't wait for that to come around. Um, but it wasn't the only day. That may have been a highlight day, but it wasn't the only day. Um, you know, I looked forward to my birthday or that last day of school. That was always a big one. You know, when the last day of school, there was no better feeling than walking out of school that last day and thinking, oh, no school for like three months. This is going to be great. Or whatever it was that, that you had, those special times in your life when you looked forward to those, those special days. And many of those special days happened on an annual basis, didn't they? There was some sort of a, a pattern to them. As we get older, sometimes those special days, we, you know, there's still special days that happen on an annual basis, but there are some of these monumental days that, that don't happen quite as often. Um, I remember when I got my driver's license. That was one of those big highlight days. And I can still remember the first time I got in the car by myself and drove uh, up the road, the feeling of freedom, the feeling of, of just being able to control the world around me. I mean, it was just incredible, those, those special, special days. Or maybe it was looking forward to that graduation day from, from high school or college or whatever it might be. Or that wedding day. Or that day of, of the birth of a child. Or whatever it is, these, these sort of big days that we look forward to in our lives. And in many cases, there, there might be a longer period of waiting than on those annual times of, of special days. But you still could see the prospect, at least, of something like that coming to an end, coming to a, a fulfillment. But have you ever anticipated something that hasn't occurred? Maybe it still hasn't occurred. Maybe the gifts you had hoped would be under that tree weren't there. Or maybe that opportunity to get married or to have children 
Even though you anticipated it for a long time, it, it hasn't materialized. Or maybe that work opportunity that you looked forward to for a long, long period of time, and it, it, just, it just hasn't happened. And the, the promotion and the opportunity to keep moving up, it just didn't quite occur. How do those delays or never actually coming, how does that kind of waiting impact your sense of trust, your sense of, of looking into the future? The Bible talks a lot about unfulfilled anticipation. God's time frame doesn't always match ours. In fact, sometimes God's time frame doesn't even match our own lifetimes. Many people in Scripture were promised things that didn't materialize until long after they were dead. Abraham never saw the lineage as great as the sands of the seashore that was promised by God. Moses never saw the Israelites conquer the promised land. David never saw the construction of the temple. And the list goes on and on. It's easy for us when we read those things with the hindsight of, of seeing the bigger picture to, to think that it all was wrapped up in a nice tight time frame. But in so many cases, that wasn't the case. And yet, God is faithful. God was faithful throughout Scripture, and God is faithful today. As Jesus said to Thomas in John 20, 29, because you have seen me, you have believed. But blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. A, a tangible example of this in, in a little bit more recent history, not real recent history, but a little more recent history. Have you ever thought about the building of those great cathedrals in Europe in the Middle, in the middle Ages? And the fact, I was, I was just looking, um, that many of them took as long as 300 years to build during the time they were being constructed. So can you imagine, I mean, it'd be one thing when that was started, there was a lot of fanfare and a lot of excitement when it was started. And if you were, happened to be there at the end of the 300 years, you know, that would be an incredible, incredible experience. But what if you were the, the stonemason who worked from like year 125 to year 175, right? I mean, you spent 50 years along your entire working career and you took it from a little less than 50% to a little bit more than 50%. All 50 years of your working life, all you saw was, you know, a little bit of progress in the overall construction of that great temple, that great cathedral. How would, what would that be like? What would it be like to be in this season of, like, not seeing the completion of what was happening? Many of the Old Testament prophets could fit in that kind of category, that category of unfulfilled anticipation. But amazingly, they look to the future with hope. They look to the future with a trust in the Lord. Isaiah was one of those prophets. 700 years before the birth of Jesus Christ, he foretold the coming of the Savior of the world. But he never got to see it. But Isaiah trusted God. Isaiah spoke boldly for him, even though he never saw the fulfillment of his words. And the question for us this morning is, do we trust God? Do we trust God's faithfulness? even when we don't get to see the results, even when we don't understand how it's going to work out, even when we're in the middle of this unknown waiting. During this Advent season of 2022, we anticipate the coming of the celebration of Jesus' birth. And because this event has already occurred historically, we come with a different perspective than Isaiah. But we join him in looking to that fulfillment of many of God's promises. And may we approach this Advent season with the hope and the trust in a God 
who is absolutely faithful, even when we're still waiting. So we're going to read this morning from part of Isaiah's prophecy. In Isaiah chapter 9, beginning with verse 1, these words that Isaiah spoke, remember, 700 years before they would ever come to fruition. This is what he said. But there will be no gloom for those who were in anguish. In the former time, he brought into contempt the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the latter time, he will make glorious the way of the sea, the land beyond the Jordan, Galilee of the nations. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who lived in a land of deep darkness, on them light has shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. They rejoice before you as with joy at the harvest, as people exult when dividing plunder. For the yoke of their burden and the bar across their shoulders, the rod of their oppressor, you have broken as on the day of Midian. For all the boots of the tramping warriors and all the garments rolled in blood shall be burned as fuel for the fire. For a child has been born for us. A son has been given to us. Authority rests upon his shoulders. He is named Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His authority shall grow continually, and there shall be endless peace for the throne of David and his kingdom. He will establish and he will uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time onward and forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will do this. Now to simply hear some of Isaiah's words in this passage, we're encouraged because Isaiah's vision includes things like peace and joy and understanding. It speaks of God's clear invitation or intervention in a world with great certainty. Surely Isaiah was writing about a positive time in Israel's history, about a time when he could see and understand that God was providing and that God's hope was evident. But as Isaiah looked around him, he recognized his world from a human perspective. It wasn't a positive world around him. His nation was not doing well. And because of the people's disobedience, because of turning from God, the prospects for the future weren't looking particularly good for the people of his nation. Now, to better understand what was happening around him, we have to take a little bit of a history tour, a little bit of a, a jump back into the time of the Old Testament. Slightly before the time of Isaiah, during the times of the, of the kings, of the king Saul and King David and King Solomon, Israel, as we know it, was a united kingdom. All 12 tribes were in as one. They were one nation. But after Solomon's death, infighting and turmoil resulted in that nation, that one nation, being split into two. The 10 northern tribes became known as Israel, and the two southern tribes became known as Judah. They became a divided nation. Isaiah lived in that southern tribe of Judah just after, shortly after this time of this splitting into two. And during that time, both Israel and Judah had experienced some great prosperity soon after they split. But just prior to the start of Isaiah's ministry, things began to get a little bit more difficult. Because while you have these two nations, you have Israel in the north and Judah in the south, there were some outside nations that were also um, starting to flex their muscle. This is where it gets a little bit tricky because one of those nations was known as Syria and the other nation was known as Assyria. You'd think in all the nation of names, they could have picked two names that were a little further apart than that, but that's what they chose. The nation of Syria and the nation of Assyria. 
All was at peace for a while. But then the Assyrians decided that they wanted to take control, that they wanted to have a more significant role in that part of the world. And so they came down and they began to threaten the Syrians and the northern nation of Israel. And the Syrians and the, and the people of Israel, they, they joined together to, to, to come against the Assyrians. But that left this southern nation of Judah to kind of figure out, okay, where do we stand? And God had told the king at that time through the prophet Isaiah, do not make up a, a treaty with the Assyrians, these big bad boys on the, on the, in the area. God told them, don't do it. Even though it might look like the thing to do is to, is to join up with the Assyrians, don't do that. But what did the king do? The king ignored what God had said and made a treaty with the Assyrians. Shortly after that, the Assyrians came down and they conquered the Israelites, the people of Israel, that northern nation, and the Syrians. And at first glance, it made the people of Judah think that they had made the right choice. They had sided with the, the people who were the winners. But in reality, they had still disobeyed God. They had disobeyed the teachings, the leading, what the prophet Isaiah had said to them. And so Isaiah is sitting here knowing that there's still this big nation of Assyria who's threatening the nation of Judah. Even though they had created a treaty with them, they knew that that was not worth very much. And Isaiah also knew that his nation had disobeyed God. They disobeyed the clear instruction of God in their lives. And so there was a lot of turmoil. There was a lot of upset. There was a lot of questioning what was going to happen. And you know, as you and I sit here today, sometimes we can look at the world in which we live and the state of our world, and we can sometimes feel like we're not quite sure how things are going to turn out. We can be discouraged about the state of the situation around us. We can think sometimes that things aren't going to get better. Sometimes it can feel like the world will never turn to God, will never accept the guidance and the direction that God is, is giving. Do we ever feel like that on a big picture level? And even more critically, do we ever feel like that in our own lives? Do we ever feel like things, every time we turn around, there's one more thing going against us? One more thing that seems to be turning away from what we would like to see it happen? Sometimes we're in that uncertain period of time. Many times of our lives, we're in that uncertain period of time. And we're waiting. We're wondering, how is God going to intervene? How is God going to make a difference in my life? Well, despite the way that things look to Isaiah, Isaiah didn't lose hope. Sure, he had given a clear warning to the people of the need to repent and return to God. Sure, he knew that there was political disaster that was around the corner. But nevertheless, in the midst of all of that, he also looked to God, to the Lord, and recognized that there was hope. Nevertheless, he said, there will be no more gloom for those who are in distress. In the past, he humbled the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali. But in the future, he will honor Galilee of the Gentiles. In the midst of all that seemed to be turning against them around them, Isaiah recognized that there was hope for Israel. They could anticipate a positive future because the Lord wasn't going to forget them. And what was the source of that hope? There was a child who would be born who would bring light and joy and release from the, the yoke of oppression. This child wouldn't come for hundreds of years. But as Matthew quotes these words from Isaiah, Matthew recognized Jesus as the fulfillment of this prophecy. When in, in Matthew 4 he said, Leaving Nazareth, he went and lived in Capernaum, 
which was by the lake in the area of Zebulun and Naphtali, which we just talked about. To fulfill what was said through the prophet Isaiah, a land of Zebulun, the land of Naphtali, the way of the sea, along the Jordan, Galilee of the Galileans. The people living in darkness have seen a great hope, a great light. On those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. Jesus went on immediately to call the people to repentance because the kingdom of God was near. Jesus Christ was the one who would bring the hope and the freedom to Israel. We know that the light of Jesus Christ came slightly differently from what the people of Isaiah's time might have expected or even at Jesus' time. He didn't come as that political savior that they might have thought. But he came to bring spiritual light and spiritual light to that day and to our day as well. You see, the forgiveness of sins that was possible because of the death and burial and resurrection of Jesus goes far beyond the world of Jesus' day. It came to bring eternal light and eternal life and eternal peace, not just for that day, but to our day as well. Isaiah was pointing to something truly life-changing and earth-shattering and earth-changing. Isaiah saw in the Messiah one who would change the world. What would that Messiah look like? He would be a wonderful counselor, it says. That's an encouraging. That's certainly encouraging to all of us. Those who seek counsel usually have wisdom to ask for it. But Jesus fits that bill. He is a wonderful counselor who can guide and direct our lives. He's also described there as a mighty God. How great is God's might? Is there anything too big for God? We don't serve an impotent, wimpy God. We serve not a God who will be overwhelmed by the world's activities. We serve a God who is greater, a mighty God, a God who brings comfort, a God who is stronger than anything that's around us. He's a God who's described by Isaiah as our everlasting Father. He was and is and is to come. There's no outliving the Lord. We may try to stick out some difficulties thinking that eventually the person or situation might change, but they can't outlast God. And He, like a loving Father, has our best interests at heart. Finally, Isaiah describes him as the prince of peace. The broken relationships of our world that so fill our world will be fixed. Our world doesn't know real peace. The only true peace comes through Jesus Christ. Despite the difficulty all around him, despite the future times that he understood of despair, Isaiah didn't give up hope. And regardless of what is coming around us, we are invited in the midst of waiting, in the midst of not seeing the answer that we might hope, in the midst of not even knowing whether that answer is going to come in our lifetime. We serve a God who is a wonderful counselor, a mighty God, an everlasting Father, a Prince of Peace. Even though Isaiah never saw it, God kept his promises. He eventually brought light and hope to the nation of Israel. He brought light and hope to you and to me. What does Isaiah's anticipation tell us about our anticipation? What difference does it make in our lives today? Well, it should remind us that God is still faithful. He can and still does work in our lives. And so whether we've experienced the fulfillment of those promises or we're still waiting for those promises to be fulfilled, God is with us. And God's love is greater than we can begin to imagine. God's promises and that anticipation are not just helpful for today, 
they are helpful as we look into the future as well. Because we know that God is faithful. Are we willing to trust God even when we don't see the fruit of that trust? Are we willing to plant seeds that may not ripen in our own lives? Are we willing to build into the lives of other people, build into the ministries and work of God around the world, even in ways that we may never see the outcome of that? What do I mean by that? Well, sometimes we have influence in people's lives that we'll never see the fruit of that. Are we willing to pray for others? Are we willing to lay a foundation of faith? Are we willing to be faithful even if we don't know the results of that faithfulness? Neither Isaiah nor the people of his day saw the actual fulfillment of that prophecy. It would be another 700 years until the coming of Christ, until the fulfillment of these words that Isaiah spoke. Do we have a confidence of God that will outlive us? Are we willing to follow the Lord in hope, even when things aren't going the way we would hope around us? By coming to this earth, Jesus fulfilled God's promises through the prophets. And he continues to be with us, guiding us this day. May we live hopeful, trusting lives, recognizing God's faithfulness, recognizing God's presence with us, and recognizing in the waiting that God is with us. Thank you.